A man's journey with God begins, continues, and ends with supernatural encounters that he orchestrates for him. No man will ever discover, enter into, and fulfill God's purpose in his lifetime without these supernatural encounters with God. Each encounter you have with God will not only transform your life, but will shift you supernaturally to a pedestal of glory where God can use you to transform others. A moment of encounter with God will shift you from where you are to where you are supposed to be spiritually and physically. Prepare Prepare your heart for an uncommon uncommon transformation from from God's word and all-round miracles by by the power of the Holy Ghost as God's servant. Chidebele Chidebele Udeze leads us in this special moment of encounter with God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We bless God for what He has been doing in our lives in these 40 days of power. Today is the 19th day and we are pressing on. We are pushing forward. The Lord is taking us on this journey and we will arrive powerfully. I would like us to take the prayer charge from where we stopped yesterday in the book of um, let's start from the book of Psalm Psalm 149 Psalm 149 verse 6 to 6 to 9 let it sense Okay, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations. That's New King James Version. And punishments on the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all the sense. Praise the Lord. I want us to pay attention to this scripture again today. The Lord showed us this yesterday, but pay attention to it again today. This is talking about spiritual warfare. But the last statement said, this honor, this honor, have all the sense. What's the meaning of that? That God has reserved honor for the sense in warfare. What is the meaning of that? That the more battle you fight and win against the adversary, against the enemy, against the principalities, the powers, the dominions, the territorial forces, the more honorable you become in the kingdom. 
it is the same thing with the principle of the army. You don't become a general until they have checked the wars you have gone for and won. It is the more battles you fight, the more your rank goes up. There is an honor reserved for the saints in spiritual warfare. And that is why the moment we begin to fight, standing on the right stand which Jesus has provided for us on the cross. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15, don't forget such critical verses. Colossians 2.15, he has disarmed principalities and powers. He has made a public show of them, triumphing over them by the cross, in the cross. He has disarmed principalities and powers. He has crushed, he has poured principalities and powers. So we stand on the victory of Jesus on the cross. And we don't just fight personal battles. Look at it. He said, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations. We are not just fighting a personal battle. We are not just fighting a family battle. There are several believers that all they knew and understand about spiritual warfare is about them. Every power fighting against me must die. That's okay. We fight those who fight against us. But I want us to see that there is an extension of this battle because God is depending on us in the judgment of the nations, the judgment of the, the peoples. And for us in the New Testament, I hope you will remember that he's not talking about human beings because these are human beings that the devil has captured and is using against the purpose of God. But the spirits that are using them, that is our own battle for the New Testament. That's why the Bible said, we wrestle not against principalities and against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not. Always remember that we wrestle not against principalities, against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Against spiritual wickedness in high places, world rulers of this present darkness. So, now I want us to see something again. There are, there are two executions in, 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 the, in the passage. The first one is to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people. Then, in the next verse, verse 8, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. So, there is a, a, a consigned, consigned warfare. Not just on the people, not just on the nation, but on their kings, on their nobles. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. When you deal with the people and you don't deal with their kings, you don't deal with their nobles, they will rise up again. The kings and the nobles will rise up again. So if we go back to the passage where we, we used to pray yesterday in First Kings chapter 20, chapter 20, where we saw a type of the adversary, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, 
making bogus statements, claiming that which belonged to the king of Israel. I want us to note that that battle did not end well for the king of Israel according to God's own judgment because he speared the king of Syria. He didn't bind the king with fetters of iron, with chains. He didn't execute upon the king the written judgment. And so God became angry with him. So even though there was victory, God promised them in verse 28 and say, And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys, therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thy hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. God said, I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand. So there were so many. Verse 29. And they pitched one over against the other seven days. And so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined. And the children of Israel slew of the Syrians and hundred thousand footmen in one day. But the rest fled to Africa into the city. And there, there a wall fell upon twenty and seven thousand of the men that were left. And Behadet fled and came into the city into an inner chamber. And the servant said unto him, Behold, now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes upon our heads, and go out to the king of Israel. Paraventure, he will save thy life. So they gathered sackcloth on their loins, and put ropes on their heads, and came to the king of Israel, and said, Thy servant Ben-Hadad said, I pray thee, let me live. And he said, Is he yet alive? Is my brother. Ah, the adversary is your brother. The adversary is your brother. Now the man did diligently observe whether anything will come from him and did hastily catch it. The cunningness of the devil and his men. And they said, Thy brother, Ben-Hadad. Then he said, Go ye, bring him. Then Behadad came forth to him, and he caused him to come up into the chariot. Foolish. And Behadad said unto him, The cities which my father took from thy father, I will restore. And thou shalt make streets for thee in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. Then said Ahab, I will send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. What a pity. He sent him away. It looks as if there was victory because 127 persons have been killed in the battle, warriors and soldiers. But 
when you now look at what happened next, you will see that God was very angry with Ahab for sparing the adversary. Who is it that was behind this battle? Who is the person? Who is the main person behind this battle? Ben-Hadad. For the sake of Ben-Hadad, so many time has been wasted. So many people's lives has been wasted. And the man that was the author of the battle came to your hand and you call him your brother. The one that said your wife, your silver, your gold, and everything is mine. That was boasting. The one that was saying, Thor says the Lord. Thor says Ben-Hadad. Eh? I will send my servant to your house and whatever that you have that pleases you, they will take it from you. How come he became your brother? How come you didn't know that this is an opportunity that God has given to you to finish with the enemy? Spear not the adversary. Spear not the adversary. Now look at what the servants of Behadad said. They have always been his advisor. They are the one that advised him to come for the second battle. Listen, he has fought with Ahab before. And his target was to kill Ahab. His target was to finish with Israel. To subject Israel under his rulership, under his own kingdom. And God intervened. Ahab, they won the first battle. Then he came again. The servant said, the battle was lost because it was fought on the hill. Let's approach the battle from the valley because their God is the God of the hill. And God intervened again, sent his servant again to Ahab and intervened and they won the battle again. And Ahab despised the power of God, the presence of God, what God has given to him to deal with the adversary. He speared the adversary. Look at what the servant said. They said, that we heard that the kings of Israel are merciful kings. They used to have mercy. They are not like you. You are not a merciful king. When you attack a nation, you finish them. You subdue them, you destroy them. But since, since we heard that is a merciful. Let's go and try and know whether he will have mercy on you and spare your life. Now look at it. They already know that just a step, this man will be a dead. In fact, they know he's already dead. Because the battle has been won both from earth and from heaven. The Israel army killed 100,000 and 27,000 ran to the city of Afek and God caused the city, to, city wall to fall on them and finish with them. So, they know that the life of the king and even they themselves, so they were like, let's try and see if there will be a mercy from the king. And Ahab forgot that if not for the mercy of God, if not for the hand of God, if not for the power, he, he now assumed that he is in charge. He forgot that it was God that was behind the victory. 
and he speared the adversary. If you ask me for the topic this morning, I will ask you to write down. Spear not the adversary. Spear not the adversary. Spear not. Somebody is behind this battle. Spear him not. He speared the king. Then you see what happened. They came and deceived him. They wore that cloth and all of that. They say, your servants beheaded. Eh, say it. Your servants beheaded. So he's no longer tall says beheaded. He's now your servant beheaded. He said, let me leave. I pray you. Let me leave. And Ahab opened his mouth and said, he is my brother. Ah. May God deliver us from, you know, assuming that the devil and his agents are your brothers. They are not. They are not. The Bible said they were watching to know what he's going to say. And the moment he said, he's my brother. They say, yes, your brother Ben Haddad. <laughs> he said, let me leave. He said, okay, go and bring him. And he caused him to come up to his chariot. And then look at look at what happened in verse 34. And Ben-Hadad said unto him, The cities which my father took from your father, I will restore. Can you imagine? We are now discussing kingly matters. Eh? I'm promising you that I will restore the cities that my father took from your father. On what ground? What is the discussion? Is this, is, this, is this a meeting or what? This is still a battle. What is the essence of this discussion? This is the man that came against you. The battle is still raging. And you are discussing, you are negotiating with the enemy. Listen, every negotiation with the devil will lead to the destruction of the negotiator. Every negotiation with the devil in any way, knowingly or unknowingly, deliberately, intentionally or not, will always lead to the destruction of the negotiator. God was very angry. He sent a prophet, verse 35. A certain man of the sons of the prophets said unto his neighbor in the words of the Lord, Smite me, I pray thee. And the man refused to smite him. Then said he unto him, Because thou hast not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as thou art departed from me, a lion shall slay thee. And as soon as he was departed from him, a lion found him and slew him. Then he found another man and said, Smite me, I pray thee. And the man smote him, so that in smiting, he wounded him. So the prophet departed and waited for the king by the way. And disguised himself with arches upon his face. And as the king passed by, he cried unto the king and said, Thy servant went out into the midst of the battle. And behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me and said, Keep this man. If by any means he be missing, then shall thy life be for, thy, for his life. Or else... Thou shalt pay a talent of silver. And as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be, thyself has decided it. And he hasted and took the ashes away from his face. And the king of Israel discerned him that he was of the prophet. Verse 42. And he said unto him, Thus says the Lord, 
Because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction. Therefore, thy life shall go for his life and thy people for his people. I repeat, because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction. Therefore, thy life shall go for his life and thy people for his people. So many have lost their life because they were not strong in spiritual warfare. They speared the adversary. They saw what he's doing and they took it light. They saw what he's doing and instead of facing God said, I have appointed this man to utter destruction. Now listen. Why is it that God did not cause the world to fall on Ben-Hadad? You remember that he did it for 27,000 that ran to Afek. Ben-Hadad also ran to Afek. Why is it that God did not cause the world to fall on him? Because God has given an honor. You remember this honor has the sense. The people will be destroyed. The battle against the nations is different from the battle against the king. That's why the execute was two in that scripture. Eh? Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And two-edged sword on their hands. To execute judgment upon the nations and the, the peoples. And then to bind their kings. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. They need to be bound first. Then the next one to execute upon them the written judgment. Not upon the people. You have already executed their own. But the kings, you need to get them, take them alive, bind them and then execute them. They need to be tortured. They need to be dealt with because they are the, they are, they are the, they, they are the brain behind the battle. They are the one that is causing the trouble. That's why First Peter 5 verse 8 advice, he said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil. Your adversary, the devil. Spear not the adversary. He will come up again. And that was exactly happened, what happened in next two, two chapters. When Ben-Hadad rose up again and came to fight the same Ahab. Do you know what he told his captains? Look at it, it's First Kings chapter 20, verse 29. First Kings 20, 29. First Kings 22, sorry. 22, 29. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and enter into the battle, but put down on thy robes, and the king of Israel disguised himself and went into the battle. Now, if you are with me, read together verse 31. Everybody try to read it together. One to go. But the king of Syria, the same Ben-Hadad, commanded his 30 and two captains that had rule over his chariots, saying, Fight neither with small nor great, save only with the king of Israel. Eh? Are, you, are you noticing something? This is the person you are calling your brother. This is the person that made a covenant with you. 
eh, you are making a covenant with the devil. And that's the problem. Some have gone into covenant with the devil, thinking that the devil will give you money, give you this, give you that. The devil? No, he has not ceased to be evil. He said, fight with neither, eh, don't fight with anybody. Just locate the king. And as if Ahab knew that this is what <laughs> he said to the king of uh, Judah, Jehoshaphat, wear your kingly clothes. I will disguise myself. I don't know how he got to know eh, that they are going to look for him in this battle. Now, when they look at what happened, the Bible says it came to pass when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat. What did they say? They said, Surely it is the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him. They turned aside. They faced him. 32 persons. Facing one person. You can't survive it. And Jehoshaphat cried out. And it came to pass. When the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. And a certain man drew a bow out of venture. And smote the king of Israel between the joint and of the harness. Wherefore he said unto the driver of the, his chariot, Turn thy hand and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day. And the king was stayed up in his chariot against the Syrians and died at even. And the blood ran out of the wound into the midst of the chariots. That was the end of Ahab. He was killed by the same king. You know, you know the plan of God? The plan of God is not just that you are going to win the battle against the Syrians. The plan of God is that you are going to subdue them, that they will never come up again to, to, to fight you. You have to subdue them, finish them, destroy them. And that cannot happen until you have destroyed the king of Syria. And destroy. So the battle this morning is battle against the kings, battle against the nobles, battle against the princes, the principalities, the powers, the forces, the controlling spirits, the ones that manipulate things around territories, around you know, things. You know, there are things that will be manipulated within your territory, it will be affecting you. Yes, it must affect you because you are in that territory. When Saul speared uh, Agag, do you remember? God said to Saul, go and finish up the Amalekites. But he went there and speared Agag. God tapped Samuel and said, I regret that I met Saul king, for he has turned away from following me. First, first Samuel chapter 15 verse 10. He has turned away from following me. He has not performed my commandments. That was how Saul lost his throne. The next chapter, chapter 16, God said to Samuel, please go and anoint another person for me. I can't continue with Saul because he has exchanged his life. The moment you spear them, see, let me repeat, this is how so many people have lost their life. You don't spear the adversary. If you spear the adversary, you are doing that at the risk of your own life. So this morning we are going to carry out further battles to bind their kings with chains. 
to bind their nobles with fetters of iron and to execute upon them the judgments written. Gideon understood this principle properly in the battles against the Midianites. If you look at that battle in chapter 7, there was already victory in verse 22. There was already victory for the children of Israel against the Midianites. Judges chapter 7 verse 22. And the 300 blew the trumpet. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. Even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethchita in Zerat and to the border of Ebel Mehola unto Tabat. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Nephtali, out of Asher, and out of all Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take before them the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan, and all of that. So, the battle has gone sore. In verse, next verse, verse 25, 23, he said, no, 25 said, And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock Oreb, and Zeb, they slew at the winepress of Zeb, and pursued Midianites, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. But you see, despite the fact that they have had major victory against the Midianites, Gideon continued pursuing the, the two kings of Midianites. In verse 4 of chapter 8, he said, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over it, he and the 300 men that were with him, faint yet pursuing. And he said unto the men of Succor, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zamuna, kings of Midian. And the princes of Sokot say, Are the hands of Zeba and Zamuna now in thy hand, that we should give bread unto thy army? And Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zamuna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns and the wilderness of the bread. And he went up thence to Penuel and said unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Sokot has answered him. And he said also, Unto the men of Penuel, saying, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Now, Zeba and Zamuna were in Kako, and their host with them, about 15,000 men, all that were left of the host of the children of the east. For there fell 120,000 men that resort. I hope you are following me. Eh? 120,000 soldiers of the Midianites are already dead. But Gideon knew that if we say we have won the battle, the kings, we have not bound them. We have not executed judgment on the kings. We have won the battle over the people and the nations. We have executed vengeance on them, but the kings. So he was not relenting. It's not like Ahab that is calling the anchor battle, battle man, my brother. No. He kept pursuing after the kings. And he knew. He said to the people of Sokot, give my people bread. I'm, I'm pursuing after the kings. This is a battle, not just 
around the people. Because if you leave them alive, they will use their kingship authority and revive whatever they have lost and come against you again. They can use their kingship authority and invite other kings and enter into alliance with them and say, please come, let's go and fight Israel again. Nobody will do that because other kings didn't know other people. Are you getting it? Because the other kings knew them, they can go to them, beg them, please, I will give you so and so thing if you will help me, join force with me to go and fight. So God is not playing with the judgment of the kings. The principalities, the powers, the forces, the dominions, the thrones that are manipulating and controlling things around people's life, around territories. That's where the battle is this morning. And I want you to take note, Gideon pursued them until he was able to capture them. Verse 11 says, And Gideon went by the way of them that dwell in tents on the east of Noba and Jog Beha, and smote the host. For the host was secure. Then verse 12. And when Zeba and Zalmunna fled, what did he do? He pursued after them. And took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and discomfited all the host. He took the kings. We are taking the kings this morning. We are taking principalities. We are taking them. We are, we are taking them this morning. But remember that you have to, you know, God has done wonders. You remember that God caused the armies to fight and kill one another. But he didn't allow Zeba and Zamuna. He would have caused Zeba to kill Zamuna or Zamuna to kill Zeba. But he, he wanted to give you the honor. Are you getting me? The honor of binding the kings. The honor of binding their nobles with fetters of iron. And executing judgment upon them. So when and Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from the battle before the sun was up. Then, let me, let, let's see where he judged. He executed judgment on Zeba and Zamuna. Look at verse, verse 18 now. Then said he unto Zeba and Zamuna, What manner of men were they whom you slew at that table? And they answered, as thou art, so were they. Each one resembled the children of a king. Then he said, They were my brethren, even the sons of my mother. As the Lord liveth, if you have saved them alive, I will not slay you. So you can see that they have gone to kill the brothers of Gideon. Are you, are you, are you following me? The reason why you will not spare the devil, the adversary, the principalities, the powers is that they have destroyed so many people's lives. They have destroyed so many believers. They have even, they, they, they are, this, they, they are the, the, the reason behind even some strange deaths, physical deaths in our families and troubles. He said, I will not spare you. Verse 20. And he said unto Jetta, his firstborn, Gideon, was talking to his firstborn. Up and slay them. But the youth drew not his sword. For he feared. Because he was yet a youth. I hope you will not be afraid. <laughs> to execute judgment. On the kings this morning. Then Zeba and Zamuna said. Rise thou and fall upon us. For as the man is. So is his what? Strength. That's a very powerful statement. Strength is always a matter. 
And you know the sources of strength as we saw yesterday. What is the sources of strength? The word. The word that is living and abiding in you. And Gideon arose and slew Zeba and Zamuna and took away the ornaments that were on their camel's neck. Amen. That was the deliverance of Israel from Midianite. The deliverance of Israel from Midianite took place not when they killed 120,000. Not when they had victory over the people. But the moment the two kings of Midianites, Zeba and Zamuna, were killed. Ahab did not have victory over Syria because 127 died. No. Because he speared the king of Syria, later his life went for it. Saul also died in battle. Saul died in battle. It was the same battle that killed Saul. Because he speared the king. So this morning, if you have seen what the devil, the adversary is doing, not just around your life, but around your territory, we are going to, you know, engage in another series of warfare as we pray this morning. So I would like you to begin to thank God for the honor that he has given to us. It's not something to be, it's something to be happy, something to rejoice. It's an honor to be engaged in spiritual warfare. He said, this honor has all the sense. If you are one of the sense that this, I have this honor of spiritual warfare, as we have seen, can you begin to appreciate God for the honor that he has given to us? Thank you for listening. I trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our Telegram, podcast, and YouTube channels at Chidebele Udeze. For testimonies, counseling, and prayers, you can send an email to calvarywayrevivallabels at gmail.com or call 080-6560-7999. And you can also follow us on our social media handles at Chidebele Udeze. God bless you.